Do you know the stage used to come way out when we first moved in? It came way out and then it had like big steps like this. So you could have like a full choir up there. Well, we moved it back because we wanted more room for seating. But sometimes I wonder what it would be like if we just had a full group of people just standing behind you. It would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? You see those like videos on uh, TV where the, the pastors are preaching, but then there's these like thrones up in the front where people are sitting in. How do you get it? How do you get one of the seats up front? And then all the cameras are pointed. So wouldn't you just be paranoid the whole time that they're like on a close up when you go to, you know, I don't know. I just, I'm just so glad that my life isn't spent with a camera pointed at me the whole time. It would be unnerving. I don't know. That's why I don't understand why you guys are so into social media. Why does anybody want their whole life on video all the time? Next generation doesn't even know what it's like to have privacy. They're like, what do we need privacy for? Well, I guess you don't. But no one's sitting up here, which is wonderful. Awesome. Moses versus versus Rahab today. We're going to be going through Hebrews chapter 11, verses 20 through 31. You guys ready to do it? Let's do it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. I thank you for your word, Lord God. Teach us by your word. Speak to us by your word, Lord. Allow us to be different when we leave here than when we came in. In your holy name, amen. 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 Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 20. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship and leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph... When he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God gave them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's commandments. Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the faith chapter. Right now, as as uh, the author of Hebrews is presenting to the people, uh, the people are believers, they're struggling, and they're being persecuted, and they're being ridiculed, and they need encouragement to hold fast and live by their faith. So the author's saying, hey, look, here are all these examples of people who lived by faith and the things they did by faith. He's trying to encourage them. He starts off chapter 11 with verses 1 and 2 that says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see through their faith the people in days of old earned a good reputation many people listed um, in this uh, chapter 11 and they were uh, of good reputation because of their faith and that's why he's using them as an example for the people at this time and for the people us too as well in our time as examples of faith Uh, Now, faith is not wishing, it's not blind, it's not a formula for blessings, it's not a secret key to unlocking the favor of God. Um, Faith is just like the word love or or other words that we have in our English dictionary that just kind of, they mean different things in different circumstances. And so sometimes it's easy to mix these words up and say, um, you know, faith in one situation is the same as faith in another situation, when they're just not the same thing. The faith that he's talking about here is not 
not just kind of like, you know, cross your fingers kind of faith. It's not just like, well, we're just going to walk forward with our eyes closed kind of faith. It's not stuff like that. It's funny because um, uh, commercials and advertising just bombard you with these messages all the time. The key, the secret, do this one thing every day to torch belly fat. Have you ever seen that one? No, I'm not going to say have you ever because I know you have. It always has like pictures of banana and says, doctors say stop eating this one thing now. That is just circling the globe. There's not one doctor in the world, as far as I know, who would say don't eat bananas. Yeah, you all have a negative impression of bananas in your mind because in your social media feed, it's always telling you this one thing and showing you bananas. Faith isn't some magic trick that secretly unlocks the favor of God in your life. It's not just something you say or say, well, I had faith. So, oh, Jesus is like, oh, I wasn't going to, but you said you had faith. (laughs) Faith is an active certainty. It's you're, you're certain and you're acting with that certainty, a confidence that the God of the universe will fulfill his promises, even when we don't see it now and may not see it in our lifetime. Faith's an action word. Faith isn't just a belief. It's a belief followed by your actions. That's the kind of faith that they're talking about here in chapter 11. Out of thousands of years of history of God's people, the author chose these specific examples of faith to highlight. He must have chosen these people as examples for a reason. And when I read my Bible, oftentimes I read it that way. I say... There's, there's reasons why they included things, and then I figure there's probably reasons why they excluded things too. So when you think of the thousands of years of the history of the Bible, the author of Hebrews chose certain people to highlight. So there's got to be a reason why. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23 through 28. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's commands. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward." It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because his eyes uh, were on uh, the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and sprinkle blood on the doorposts so the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. Moses. The founder of the nation of Israel, the writer of the Holy Scriptures, the deliverer of nations from slavery, a man who spoke to God face to face, a great superhero of the faith. I don't know if that picture had it, but maybe Moses wore a cape. I think that might be where the whole cape thing came from, because Moses is a superhero of the faith. In verse 23, it said uh, the word unusual. It said uh, they, uh, that his parents saw that they gave him an unusual child. Well, that may have conjured up images in your mind of your unusual children. 
But the word here means attractive or beautiful. This word refers to something that is of superior quality. His parents could already tell that Moses was an ex- was extraordinary from birth. He was born that way. It's pretty awesome. As an example of faith, I kind of have trouble identifying with Moses and his accomplishments. When the Bible lists Moses as one of these examples you should look to, I'm kind of like, yeah, but have you seen me? Because I'm no Moses. I said, how can I match up to that? He's like the Superman of saints. It's like Superman. Like, you know, Superman, like he's faster than the flash. He's like stronger than strong. He's like, he's the most of everything. He was like invented in the forties and it's like mic drop. Like, how do you create superheroes after Superman? (laughs) They keep trying. I don't know. They keep, I mean, they give him fancier clothes and things like that, but I'm seriously, I just sit back and go, yeah, but Superman. Oh, look at this new superhero. But yeah, like Superman though. And so I would imagine through the history of the Bible, sometimes people would feel like that too. Like, oh, you're such a faithful, faithful servant of the Lord. Yeah, but Moses though. It's like, and the author of Hebrews chooses Moses to talk about. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29 and 30. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. Now, although the Israelites are not great examples of faith as individuals, as if you read through the scriptures, you would probably agree. They had their moments as a group. Through their obedience, they displayed great faith in doing the ridiculous to see the miraculous. I mean, think about it. Moses is leading them through uh, uh, the Red Sea. And he's saying, okay, everybody, that direction. And gigantic walls of water are created on either side. And they're like, ah, uh, What? I mean, how would you feel? Like you're walking up the Red Sea and dun da da da, you know, and it's probably like light. He's like probably backlit to give this drama. It took a lot of faith to do that. That's kind of crazy. I mean, I'm sure they're asking, has anybody ever done this before? Jericho had impenetrable walls. There's these gigantic walls that, that no one can get through. But God said, I have given you Jericho. So by faith, they did exactly what God told them to do. Walk around it a bunch of times and then yell at it. (laughs) Like I'm sure all of them are like, I've never seen a fighting force in the world. Just walk around some city and then the walls fall down. But God's like, this is how it's going to go down. So they walked around a bunch of times. The guys now yell. And they're like, ah, it's ridiculous. But it was also miraculous. So as a group. They did a great job and as being an example of faith by willing to be obedient and do what God told them to do to receive what God has promised to them. But there's one more verse tonight. We've seen examples of faith. We've been given throughout uh, chapter 11. We've been given Adam. You guys know Adam is right. Noah. We're aware of Noah. Yeah. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those are the patriarchs. Joseph. Moses or the Moses and the armies of Joshua superheroes legends and then verse 31 
There's Rahab the prostitute. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. For she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Okay, let's talk about Rahab a little bit. Um, Rahab, she was an innkeeper and a prostitute, apparently, in the city of Jericho. The same city of Jericho where the walls came crashing in and everybody got killed and destroyed. That city of Jericho. Um, Joshua sent the spies out into the city to scout out the town, and they stayed at Rahab's house. This is, uh, if you want to go back and read the story, it's in Joshua chapter 2. So she was a Gentile woman. She lived in a pagan city. She's a sinner, and I'm sure she was not respected or admired by anyone in town. So well, that's not fair to say. Come on, okay? Think about it. She's a prostitute in the town, and strange men come to visit her house. Let's be real. That's not like the people we look up to, is it? We don't aspire to be the town prostitute. It's not what what we're shooting for. That's not the goal. She's basically the opposite of Moses. She's like the anti-Moses, I guess you'd say. She risked her life to hide the spies, though, from the king's men when they came to the door and then helped them escape unharmed. She let them down a rope through the city wall. Her her house stuck on the city wall there and window, rope down the wall to the outside to safety. She didn't have to do all that. She knew the town was going to be destroyed. Everybody knew the town was going to be destroyed. Everyone was going to be killed in it. She knew that. She could have escaped using the same rope she used to help the spies. She could have been long gone, but she didn't. It's not like she was backed into a corner. They show up. She's like, yeah, I know. We knew you were coming. Everybody's afraid of you in town. Yeah, we know God's going to destroy the whole town. Why didn't she just go out the rope, go out the town, and just beat feet, go to another town, set up shop somewhere else? She could have, but she didn't. She told the spies that she knew and believed that the Lord God had given them this land. And she had heard of the miracles that God had done for them. Yeah, it was pretty obvious at that point, right? Some of these things are pretty staggering. The word spreads. The Red Sea parts, your armies go charging through. Yeah, word gets around. Even without social media, everybody heard that one. They're aware. They're aware that that happened. And so when you look in Joshua chapter 2, you see that she knows this. She tells them this. Joshua chapter 2 verse 11. Rahab says, No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens and above the earth below. This is her declaration of faith. How do I know? Because she confirmed it with her actions. What's the difference between Rahab and everybody else who lived in Jericho? I mean, they probably weren't saints either, right? They're a bunch of pagans living in a pagan town, surrounded by a wall that's going to fall down. What's the difference between her and everybody else? She obeyed God. She obeyed God. The verse says that uh, she was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. She obeyed God, so she was not destroyed. James chapter 2, verse 25 uh, through 26, it says, uh, Rahab the prostitute is another example. So this is the second point in Scripture where she's been used as a positive example for people to follow. Rahab the prostitute is another example 
She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them away safely by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. So we talk about faith and we talk about good works and, and by faith you, uh, through faith, uh, by grace through faith you are saved. Uh, people like to take that moment to take that word and say, oh, okay, well, faith is believing. You're just believing by faith. So you put actions on the top of it. Now you're doing something to earn it. But as we can see through the section of the faith chapter, that faith is action. Faith isn't just words. So right here, James is highlighting the fact that Rahab, the prostitute, shows her faith by her works. And in James chapter 2, verse 14, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? It's not saying you're saved by your actions. It's saying true faith is displayed in actions. If you really believe something is true, your actions should follow that belief. Uh, faith is an action word. If you truly believe it, you should be confident to act on it. When I was in the Marine Corps, I was the Marine combat instructor of water survival. Which is just a fancy way of saying like, um, uh, just like learning how to swim in a combat environment. So what would be the difference? Like put on all your gear and flak jacket and helmet and weapon and pack and all this kind of stuff and then like try to do a river crossing or or go across the body of water so i was the instructor of that so you just go down to the pool on the base and you run people through these exercises they would have to swim across with their boots on and do all these sorts of things well one of the things you'd have to do to qualify is you to be in your full gear your flak jacket helmet uh not real rifle these were like rubber dummy rifles a big solid chunk of rubber that looked like a rifle and a full pack on your backs, like 35 or 40 pound pack on your back. And you'd have to get up on this tower. It's probably 15 feet, like three meters, maybe three and a half meters. And you had to jump off the tower into the water. And so, well, let me just first say that the, your pack is waterproof. So basically everything in your pack is stuffed inside plastic sack and you squeeze all the air out of it and you tie it up. So it's going to float. That's what they say. (laughs) So it's going to float. And you should have confident hope and faith that this thing's going to float. Because I'm the instructor and I told you it's going to float. But it's super duper heavy when it's outside the water. It's all packed down and stuffed in this pack. So you have this pack on. You're supposed to jump off the tower into the water. Then you're supposed to pop the strap and bring the pack on in front of you like this. Put your weapon out like this. And continue to kick your way over to the other side, like, you know, assaulting up through the river or the lake or whatever you found yourself in. That's what you're supposed to do. But it may be surprising to you that some people were a little bit scared to do this. Because it's a little unnerving. Super heavy, they gotta crawl up this huge tower and I'm down there in the water like, it's okay, just jump. You'll be fine, I promise you'll float, I won't let you drown. And some of the biggest, toughest looking guys spend the longest time standing up on that tower. And if you've ever had to jump off anything high, you know the longer you wait, the worse it gets. I'd be like, come on, gunnery sergeant, you can do it. Come on, sergeant major, step right off. Trust me, it's going to be fine. But it's scary. 
But when you're talking about having faith in God, you're talking about the situation where you know it's going to happen because you believe God and he promised that it was going to happen. Fully geared up. So I would say, okay, no, 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 don't climb down because that's even scarier to climb down with all that stuff on. So I would go get one of the packs and I would throw it into the water and sploosh and it would float. Pack floats. I promise. Now I'm going to get back in the water and I'm going to make sure you don't drown. The pack's going to float. You're going to jump in and I'm standing right there to keep you from drowning. And still so difficult to take that step of faith off that tower, even though I've shown them and they trust me. You see where I'm going? And then they would. A couple of them, a couple of them, this one big strong gunnery sergeant, he's just huge intimidating guy, but man, he was afraid of the water. And I remember he stepped off and he, he hit the water so hard. I, he probably pushed off of the bottom. I mean, he just like a rock. And I was like, <laughs> I made a promise he's not going to drown. And he comes popping out of the water with all this force, you know, because the pack floats. And it shot him back up, and his eyes are as big as saucers. And, and so I just kind of reach out and grab him. Honestly, I don't have to do much. The pack is floating them. But it's amazing how much different they feel when they just have a little bit of a hand on them, even though you're not really doing anything. It's something psychological. Just to see it there somehow makes all the difference in the world. And so I usually reach out and just kind of grab them a little bit. And then, you know, there it is. They feel better about it. And that's what I think about when I think about the idea of stepping out in faith and trusting. You know it's going to work. You've got it got it on good authority. You've seen people do it again and again and again. And it's proven it's proven true. You can trust it. But still stepping out can be difficult. But that's the action. He would have no faith in me if he would just stand at the top or climb down, which no one ever climbed down. Everybody always jumped down, which, oorah, it's good for the Marines. (laughs) Rahab doesn't fit the mold of the other examples of faith listed in Hebrews chapter 11. But that's okay, because it really isn't about her or about Moses or even about their faith. It's not who they were, but who God made them to be and their obedience to what God has called them to do. That's what makes the difference. Faith demonstrated is faith remembered. Why do we know these people? Because they demonstrated their faith. We don't have a whole chapter of and the other people who weren't faithful. Here's a bunch of people that you didn't hear about because they never demonstrated their faith. Rahab wasn't disqualified or excluded because of her past failures or missing pedigree. You realize that, that she is listed as one of these primary sources of an example of faith, but she wasn't a Hebrew. She wasn't an Israelite. She wasn't God's people. She wasn't a prophet. She wasn't a patriarch. She was nobody. She was an outsider from a bunch of sinners who were supposed to be the people who uh, God's not supposed to like. But God saved her because she was faithful, because she had faith, because she believed, and she was obedient. Amen. I mean, the idea that he saved Rahab kind of opens the door for all of us, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, you may feel like you don't match up to Moses, but come on. You got to feel like at least you're in the same, you know, arena as Rahab. 
In Matthew chapter 5, Rahab is one of only five women, including the mother Mary, mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. Jesus himself. Rahab was Jesus' earthly great-grandmother to the 30th great. Why would they mention her? It would be super easy to leave her out. Have you read that chapter? It's long. Because there's a lot of begatting in that chapter. And it would have been easy just to skip right over Grandma Rahab. But they didn't. Why? I asked myself, why is she being included here? Why is James bringing her up? Why is the author of Hebrews bringing up? Why is Matthew bothering to mention her in the, in the lineage of Jesus himself? She was the great, great grandmother of King David. Because her inclusion in the genealogy of Jesus is an important reminder of the grace of God. That's why. Second Timothy chapter one, verse nine says, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan for, um, because that was his plan, uh, from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. The reason why Rahab is brought up and, and, and used as an example for those people that, that he's talking to now, probably people who don't like Gentiles, who don't like outsiders, who feel superior to them because of their own lineage, is because it's such an amazing example of God's grace and mercy. And if God can show grace and mercy in the Old Testament, and God is the same yesterday, today, and forever... Do you understand how he can show you grace and mercy? You may come from humble beginnings, but that's not where it ends. So, you know how they always say, you're not your job? Well, I don't know how much they say that. It kind of feels that way, that you're pretty much known as your job. Maybe more and more now. I remember growing up, it was always, uh, you'd always, when you meet somebody, especially guys, you would say, hey, hello, what's your name? Hey, what do you do, you know, for a living? And, and so you're always kind of synonymous with your job. Um, and so you're not your job. But uh, then I always wonder why they refer to Rahab as the prostitute. Can't she be like Rahab, the great-grandmother of David? I mean, like she was the prostitute, right? Okay, I get that. Like initially, the spy stayed with Rahab, the prostitute. I get that. That was her fault. She was there. But but then now, can't we talk about her for her other attributes? I mean, we don't say, you know, uh, we don't talk about Moses, the murderer, you know? But it's like, and King David, the adulterer, just reminding you that that happened. It's always Rahab the prostitute, Rahab the prostitute. But I think it's important to recognize where she came from because this is an example of God's redemption and restoring power. Highlighting her sinful history only further magnifies the power of God's mercy. See, you shouldn't, you shouldn't brag about your testimony and all the dirty things that you did before you were saved. It should not be like this. Um, badge of honor you wear like oh man you know how bad i used to be but the the power of sharing your testimony is to help other people understand that no matter who you are or what you've gone through that god can still redeem you 
So if you have a really hard and awful testimony and came from really hard places, it's okay to share your testimony to show God's grace and mercy in your life and his redemptive power. And obviously, don't wear it like a badge of honor. Don't brag about how bad you used to be. That's no good. Like you've been saved and redeemed. But the power or the, or the idea that Rahab is still throughout the whole entire Bible called Rahab the prostitute, I guess it would be so you don't forget which Rahab they're talking about. So you can't say, well, they must be talking about a different Rahab. No, 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 no. We're talking about that same Rahab who was the prostitute. It takes away a lot of excuses, doesn't it? It breaks the illusion that if someone is doing something great for God, it must be because they are great. And that's not true. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. The apostle Paul said, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and trouble that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I think the testimony of Rahab or the example of Rahab's faith actually is, to me at least, is a more powerful testimony of faith than someone like Moses. Because there's no other way of describing it except for the glory of God. It's easy to look at a guy like Moses who was unusual from birth. Yeah? Yeah. Like we already know he's destined for greatness. This is the Moses. Super Moses. So you look at him, it's hard not to look like, well, that's Moses. He wrote the first five books of the Bible and and he's the, the pinnacle of this whole thing. He's the Jesus of the Old Testament. I mean, he's like, he was everything before Jesus came. But you can't look at Rahab that way. You just can't. So you can't look at at Rahab and her example and say, "Oh, I'm going to do I'm going to be great because Rahab was so great." You might look at Moses and say, "Well, hey, I'm just like Moses. We're both, you know, sons of Abraham. We're both in in God's chosen things and all this kind of stuff." But you can't say that when you look at Rahab as an example in that list. She was none of those things. And that's why I think it's important that she made the list. So don't play the comparison game. How do you think Rahab would feel if she knew that this is the, uh, well, she's the company that she's kept in? Like if somehow you were able to go talk to Rahab and be like, were you aware that this was written about you? Like somebody posted this in the Bible. <laughs> would she have felt unworthy? She, would she have felt like she didn't belong? I mean, how would you feel if it was you? Would you always feel like you're trying to live that down? Uh, would you feel that every time you hear that humility and, and the grace of God? Or would you always feel like people look at you kind of weird because they, they talk to you that way? I don't know, man. But faith is not a competition between you and others. It's not Moses versus Rahab. It's not who had the greater faith. It's not who did more. It's not that. You don't compare yourself to others. I was, um, sometimes I look at fitness stuff on the internet. And, uh, one thing that, and maybe this, maybe this is a guy thing. I think it's a girl thing too. But you realize there's like a bazillion superhero movies out right now? Yeah. yeah. 
a bazillion superhero movies. And all those dudes are just ripped. Like big ripped. Not like, not like I, I work out real hard on my cardio ripped. Like, like I eat 10 chickens a day ripped. <laughs> like a cartoon ripped. Looking at like Thor and Wolverine. Do you realize that, do you realize that Wolverine is 52 now? Hugh Jackman's 52 and he is just shredded and all hairy. It's like you want to be him. You'll never eat another banana a day again if, if that's what it takes to look like Hugh Jackman. Maybe I'm the only one. Look at Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg's just shredded. Mark Wahlberg's going to be 50 this year. 50. That's old. I mean, it's not all the way old, but like, I'm just saying, like, if you use cat, I'm just saying, like, if you're using categories is what I'm saying. So like, if you have a category that's young and middle-aged, 50 is like, you've just tipped into the old category. I thought we were being honest with each other. Mark Wahlberg's going to be 50 this year. And he's got like a $40 million house on Lake something or other in the middle of of America. He's super duper ripped and he's starring in all sorts of action movies. Do you realize that The Rock, I mean, The, The Rock is 49? Or it'll be 49 this year? The Rock. It's pretty young. That's pretty young. But still... That guy is just gigantic. Now, I know if you talk to these people, all these superhero action stars, you'll find out that they live on a steady diet of boneless, skinless chicken breast, brown rice, and broccoli. Oh, yeah, I've watched the interviews. That's all there is. No, just that. Just, you know, a lot of water, some healthy eating. Working out about six hours a day? No. Uh-uh. I'm sorry. God did, not, God did not design this to gain 40 pounds of muscle in 10 weeks, okay? You don't gain that by eating chicken breast and brown rice. You know how I know? Because chicken, rice, chicken uh, breast and brown rice does not cost $100 a tub. If that had that kind of power, you would not be able to buy it over the counter. It'd be prescription strength, brown rice and broccoli blend. That's why I know that that does not work. I don't care if you were the rock and you were a genetic phenom. You're cycling something and I'm not talking about a bicycle. I'm totally, I'm, I can't prove it. I can't prove it. I'm just saying that... Our eyes, our eyes are not designed to handle the fakery that we can see on TV these days. Our eyes are designed to handle real life. And so you have all these YouTube, or not YouTube, but uh, what is it, like Instagram influencers. And did you realize that you, there's filters for all sorts of things? Why do you think Instagram's a billion dollar app? Because you could take these apps, place them right there. You make this thin, you can make this tan, you can put yourself on some jetliner or a beach somewhere, living the life. No, you're living the filter. 
But our eyes can't figure this out. It's just the way it is. Our eyes can't figure it out. Our brains get fooled by it. So we end up comparing ourselves to these people. And I could stand in the gym and try to do as many cable crossovers as possible. And I'm not going to look like the rock. Which is good because it's not a comparison. Because even if somebody is really, really awesome, and maybe the rock doesn't do steroids, probably not, right? I mean, I mean, he's probably gigantic and super veiny and 50 years old all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably all natural. But even if he was just 100% amazing awesomeness, it does you no good to compare yourself to them. Don't compare yourself to high-profile Christians either or any other of the saints, the people you're sitting next to in church. You are you. You're not them. They may be an all-natural Christian and just pumping the Bible six hours a day and just in nothing but worship songs. But you are not them. You will not be judged on how great your calling appears to be but by your obedience and following the calling that you have been given. God has created you and designed you perfectly for what he has in store for you. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago to do. So in conclusion... Wrapping it up, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 said, Faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of the things we cannot see. The confidence of faith is based on the God who fulfills his promises. It's an active certainty that what God has promised will come true despite our not seeing it yet. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. What good is the grace of God that saves us if you do not believe it with active certainty? In Luke chapter 17, verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, Show us how to increase our faith. If you want to increase your faith, Increase your actions of faith. Step into your calling. Your faith grows as you act on that faith. Remember, God's made you promises. He's made us promises as his people. Your faith will grow as you act on those promises. My last verse is this. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 23 through 24. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Why don't you bow your heads? Maybe you're one of two people in in this room. One One person is the type of person who knows this, but they forgot for a while. They know God's promises, but they forgot how to act out and live their faith. If that's you today, today is your moment. Just start now. Read his word. Live by faith. Faith is an action word. But maybe you're in this place today and you've never known the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe tonight was an eye opener. Maybe it became real for you that Jesus Christ 
was 100% man and 100% God, and he died and rose again so that you could have eternal life. And that's a promise that could be for you if you give your life to Jesus Christ. And if that's you today, I want to give you the opportunity to give your life to Jesus today. If you want to give your life to Jesus Christ tonight for the very first time, never done it before, not a rededication, but you want to give your life to him today and have that promise of eternal life, we want to pray with you. Why don't you just raise your hand and let me know that that's you tonight. You want to give your life to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for your words, God. Let us never forget your promises, Lord God. Let them be new to us every morning, Lord. In your holy name, amen. Amen. Remember to get your kids first. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.